Hello, hello. Welcome to the IWS Podcast. I'm your host, RJ, and happy Valentine's Day. I have a wonderful guest with me today, Miss Jasmine Cordero. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes, yes. I'm glad to have everybody here and to be having a very rousing discussion with you today. I want to go ahead and jump in, and as we kind of talked about before, really discussing and laying the foundation of who it is that we're getting to know today. So if you can touch a, touch on a little bit about what your experience was like growing up with your family. Um, so I was born in Jersey. Okay. And my parents were very young, 15 and 17. So okay. So it was kind of like not a very traditional upbringing. Yet. Sure. I was always pretty um, all over the place. Mm-hmm. We like to move around a lot. So Jersey to Long Island, Long Island to Miami. So nor- upper northeast and then you came all the way down here? Mm-hmm. Okay. So pretty balanced with how I split the time too. like you know seven okay. years up there seven years down there back seven years oh wow okay yes is that is that because there's a lot of family up there um it's because my mom after she like turned 26 and I was like around 11 she decided to go back up there for a while and then eventually mm. sent for me okay got so. it Okay. I think she dismissed it and didn't really like Miami very much. I asked because I've heard it, different experiences for some who, you know, that we always call them the snowbirds, the people that come from up there and they kind of get tired of the lifestyle. Maybe it's the cold, expands sometimes. And so I was curious because I haven't heard that as often of people who kind of split their time like that. Um, I, essentially, it was my mom. My mom's mom wanted to move down to Miami with her husband and she went. And a year later, we moved down. Okay. Stayed there for seven or so years and then moved back up to New York. Okay. I love New York, though. It's definitely one of my favorite places. So. Okay. So in that in that going back and forth and sort of the shuffling that happened over those period of years, who, how would you kind of dis- describe your primary family unit, if that makes sense? Mostly uh, my mom. My dad would come in and out, you know, yeah. every so often. And then my grandmother would live with us or we would live with her. And then mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, my mom's younger brother's. Okay. So. That's a pretty big household. Well, it wasn't always all, everybody together. So it different like moments. Inter- yeah, exactly. Okay. So. Who was the most consistent figure? Was it mom? Pretty much. Okay. D- d- regardless of where you went. Re- yeah. Regardless. Okay. Sometimes she wasn't always there, but yeah. Okay. And so and you did touch on you had some siblings. So, and then you mentioned grandma as well when you came down here. Mm-hmm. So how was that? How would you describe like the relationships you have with all of those people? Well, my brother, my first brother wasn't born until I was like 15. Oh, so there was a sizable age gap. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then my mom's son is 14 now. So I'm 36 and he's going to okay. be 13 or 14. Okay. I think he's going to be 14. So they're, ve- okay, so they're, they're, they're very much behind you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you didn't actually, okay, so you have siblings, but for all intents and purposes, maybe what we would say is that you were an only child yep. because you really didn't have to share attention with anybody Mm-mm. But at I also, all. yeah, I also, after a certain age, didn't get, uh, like, I was kind of, like, always wanting to be outside, so I didn't mm. really, like, require a lot of, like, family attention. Okay. <laughs> I was well, kind of a loner, but not a loner. You know? No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I asked because sometimes we talk about, like, birth order, and then we also talk about the number of siblings that you have, right? So if you, just doing basic math, if you have your mom and your dad there, and let's say there's, when you, when it's just one kid, they get a lot of attention, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's two of them. Then you have two, it's kind of one and one. Then you have three, now it starts getting tricky because somebody's going to kind of get neglected a little bit. It's just, just math. 
four more, you know, so it kind of goes up unless you have maybe extended family who can help kind of support so on and so forth. So that's one thing, right? So we put that on one side. Then you think about birth order. So because you were essentially the only child, sometimes there's not, and this isn't you specific, I'm just speaking yeah. in general. There can be a challenge with connecting with others or, or a lot of times seeing things from like your viewpoint primarily because you're used to like kind of things being about yourself. Yeah. So it's a little bit more tricky to like understand how to play off of other people, how to consider other viewpoints, things like that. Do you think you ever had any type of challenge with that when you were growing up? Um, I feel like I definitely say that one more time. So I just went on the tangent in my own. No, head. no, that's fine. So <laughs> the point I was the point I, the question I was going to ask was a lot of times when you see when somebody has no siblings that are around them as they're growing up. So in your case, you have them, but it was much spread out in time. It can be hard to like kind of know how to play off of other people, see their perspective and not think that kind of the world may revolve around you because you get all of the attention when you're young and for the most part as you grow. Do you think you ever had challenge with that? No, and yeah, my upbringing I think was a little bit more balanced than that. I okay. I did not have that like. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but like, it wasn't that you know I didn't get any attention, but it was. They were pretty balanced to not make me like a whole brat. Like. That's good. That was like the whole point, you know. No, absolutely, and I and again I only say it because it's not so much that I try to put people in one box or another. It's just kind of understanding the way parenting works, because I'm a father as well, so. I talk a lot about how it is to parent and how the type of circumstances and environments we set up for the kids. Like, it's going to play a role. I you feel know? like I was so overly independent from, like, birth that my family was just, like, mm. okay. I almost, the way I was, almost allowed them to kind of do whatever they needed to do as people as well. Because, so, like, I didn't... Would you say maybe you felt like you were more low-maintenance then? Absolutely. Okay. Like... I try to be the caregiver, especially like in the last 15 years. But like, I've mm. always been there, even even if you know we're all kind of estranged at some points. You know, I try to be there, and you know, we have that where we give each other space. So it's okay. like it's never been. We're we're not that kind of family, like okay. that even does that. And I do. Although I, my little brother now, he definitely gets a lot of the attention. So I could imagine it's, like, it's completely different. Wait, your youngest brother? Yeah, my mom's son. Okay, well that makes sense because. Usually babies get the the most attention, and also because people parents I could not have, get away with half the stuff he does. Parents <laughs> have usually made a lot of those um, learning points already. They've already kind of learned like how the, maybe the do's and don'ts. Yeah. Like first kids are the experiment, right? Because nobody knows what they're doing. You're trying to I was figure not it out in real time. At all. Which I want to touch on because I think that that's a really important factor to consider. So young parents remind remind me of the ages again. 15, and my mom turned like 16 a month later after I was born. Okay, so they're very much like same time. So 15, sophomore-ish 16, year, 17. high school, freshman year, high school. Okay. So we can imagine, this is not going to, we're not going to try to speak for your parents, but we can imagine there's a significant amount of growing and maturing that needs to happen during that critical time for all of us, right? Uh, yeah. Take a kid imagine. out of the equation, just you, right? Okay. So then amplify that now with the fact that now you, you have to try to learn how to raise a young person like yourself. I couldn't imagine. Right? That's why I'm like, I, don't, I hold no like animosity or anything for right. anything because I'm like, ah, I'm right. 36 and I don't know how. It, like... it would be hard. It would be hard for anybody, re realistically. <laughs> but I say that because one of the things that you said that I thought was interesting was I feel like I somewhat take care of them yeah. a little bit more now, right? Yeah. And the interesting part is the gap between you and them is not as big as it kind of traditionally would be with most parents, right? It's probably at least 
20, 25, 30 years. But yeah. in your case, it's 15. Yeah. So, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not going to presuppose how your parents were, but what I have noticed sometimes when you have young parents, there's kind of like a hard line to define of I'm your mom, I'm your dad. And sometimes it's like, I'm kind of like your older sister, your older That's, brother, yeah. instead of this more rooted, this is how it should be. I understand, you know, the rules and I'm going to enforce good yeah. boundaries on you. Do you think that you had any challenge with that at all? I didn't have any challenge, but I, we definitely did not have that. Like, there was no real power dynamic to like, my mom, I was like a latchkey kid. Like my mom worked a lot. They were always like in school or something like that. So mm. it's like. So that's where maybe a lot of the independence and the yeah. freedom kind of came from. Like, I don't really need a lot. Yeah. Okay. I was just cook my own food, go play with my friends, make sure my homework's done so I don't get in trouble. Cause mm. I wanted, I liked my freedom. So you, so you essentially, if I'm understanding you correctly, you had to mature a lot faster than most people did. Because it sounds like you were on your own more often than not. Yes. Okay. That's an interesting point. Because for a lot of people, it's, it's, I don't know if you pay attention to this at all, but now they use these terms like helicopter parents and, and bulldozer parents. Like, what does that mean? If, you, if your kid has like an issue over something, they'll be the ones like swooping in to try to fix everything, save the day, whether it's with a teacher, another student. I don't, know, you, I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's a very popular thing that people will talk about for parents who just want to try to ensure the best outcome for their kid, but sometimes they're kind of doing a lot and they might need to pull back some. That's one extreme. I'm, 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 I'm painting a picture here. That's one extreme, <laughs> That's right? That's like, I don't want you to worry about anything. I'm going to take care of all of it. And the other extreme could be you're not getting a lot of boundaries and structure and you're getting so much freedom that it's kind of hard to give you guidance and, and proper advice at times because you might feel like I don't maybe need it when there's moments that perhaps you really should. I would say, uh, so when I was like 11 or 12 is when my mom kind of disappeared and so did my dad at the same time. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I was with my uncle for a bit. Yeah. And I feel like that um, after that point, the dynamic changed between us because like before it was like, I was, she was always a constant. And after that, when I moved back to New York with her, it was, uh, I think she definitely struggled with being like a person that could give me boundaries and structure mm. because she kind of, I think, had a little bit more guilt than she had Because prior. of the time apart? Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't really a crazy kid either. So it's like the most I would do is skip school. Well, I mean, and, which is good, right? Because yeah. I mean, I, I went to say, school by the beach, so it was okay, hard not to go. If I want to go. <laughs> no, I would say like, it makes sense then that on one hand, maybe they were fortunate that you weren't really adventurous. Maybe like to the point where, you know, maybe you yeah. got involved in some things, maybe you shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like you said, maybe noticing that it would be harder to enforce these rules when we've kind of had a little bit lapse of time where mm -hmm. we've actually been present. Is that Absolutely. And my dad, I, I lived with him for a little bit when I was like 16 because mm -hmm. we were having those issues and I had skipped school and I got in trouble, I would say like twice in one week for truancy in New York City. Mm. So it's like the NYPD in, is involved and whatnot, but it's not like a real thing. It doesn't go on your record or anything. You just like go in the center. And do, like, do they pick you up? How does that work? They do. I was trying okay. to go get food. <laughs> just trying to get Chinese food. <laughs> I was hungry. It I was lunchtime too. I will say, and that, that's obviously a different, so we're based in Florida, right? For the audience that doesn't mean I know. And you're talking about being up in the Northeast. Brooklyn. I, I will say, okay, Brooklyn. I will say, I feel like if you're a New Yorker, like there's, there is a little bit of a bigger sense of independence that you probably have as a, as a youth. 
because you're kind of used to either walking by yourself, taking trains or the subways yeah. by yourself. Here, down here, it's expected you're either catching the bus like I did, or you're getting taken yeah. to school and to most of the places you need to go. And obviously now we have Uber. So I think inherently there would be more set of independence for you regardless, just mm -hmm. growing up there. And then it's kind of like you got a bit extra because parents maybe weren't around as much. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you could really get into some mischievous stuff if you really wanted to. Oh, I could have. And I mean, the most would be like smoking weed. But I was like one of those kids that, I don't know, I just respected my brain a lot. And I was like kind of. Like I don't want to go too far. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll wait till I'm like in my 20s to figure some other stuff out. But like I'm just trying to navigate like not going crazy. Totally fair. Totally fair. So let me ask you. So now, obviously you mentioned up to 11 Different, maybe a slightly different relationship, but then it kind of changed because there was that time apart. How do you, would you describe the relationship with mom and dad now? Me and my mom are best friends. Like, I love her to death. Uh, me and my dad do not talk. Okay. Uh, me and my little, my dad's son do talk, and uh, I'm kind of estranged from that side of the family. So. From dad's side? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that also from following at that time after 11 or that was yeah. like a little bit later? Well, like I said, so for truancy, I had gotten sent to Georgia to live with my dad for a little bit. For oh, dad was in Georgia at that time. Yes. Okay. So Got he it. was, so that's where they live. They're in Georgia. So I've, I stayed in Georgia for about four months. Okay. And that was, that I feel like was a little bit more like anarchy than anything else where it was just like. He didn't know how to set any rules, and I was drinking, and I was smoking, and smoking wait, cigarettes so, like, so in saying, the house with my stepmom. Like, <laughs> so you're saying dad didn't have rules? He just so. was so he just didn't know how to enforce them. Yeah, he, and I'm like in high school for a little bit. Okay, there, so which is natural. Like when we're in high school, that we're was like be the most rebellious, rebellious anyway. I was. <laughs> I was gonna say to be fair, like we're gonna we're gonna push boundaries that time anyway. Yeah, so that's totally fair. Okay, and I, I the reason why I ask is because. I talk a lot about on this platform and in general the relationships that parents have with kids and then if you really want to break it down right so in a relationship that you have with anybody it's going to require significant effort and time with kids it's a little easier because you give birth to them so there's like an inherent level of forgiveness that they'll kind of give you right mm -hmm. whereas other people will probably walk away from you but the point is you still got to earn it right you have to work at it like any other relationship you're not entitled to anything you have to actually create that exactly. and then maintain it so when you were talking about oh me and my dad don't have the best relationship right now but me and my mom are closer so I, in my mind I was trying to figure out where that might have fragmented where you said I've kind of like I'm estranged from this entire half of my family now where maybe you were closer to them when you were younger uh it's not that we were close um my dad's side of the family was always kind of uh I think uh, did not really care for my mom, mm. so uh, because my grandmother didn't really like my mom, I wasn't really. It wasn't a peaceful time to be around. Oh, okay. okay. So I mean, that makes sense. I definitely we lived there for, in Long Island for a little bit when I was like a kid, kid. But okay. It's just very chaotic, and um, people not dealing with their mental. Orders, mental disorders, okay. and projecting it as different things. So for the most part, because of that and sort of the maybe the disposition grandma had with your mom, you naturally grew closer with mom and mom's family. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it's kind of it's really just my mom. Oh, just her. So not even yeah, extended like, family. Not re like uh, my her younger brothers. Yeah, like we text here and there. Sure. But yeah, I'm not really that close with a lot of 
people might, there's we just have so many different perspectives of course and beliefs that like do not correlate but we all love each other from afar hey listen <laughs> listen i'll be the first to say families are complicated so there's no perfect scenario there's always gonna be people i have a huge family on both sides plenty of us buttheads or we have differing viewpoints it's just the, the nature of things yeah um I think it's important to understand because when I think about family, right? So both primary and then extended for those of us that grow up with aunt, grandma, uncle, it's that sense of stability, particularly when you're talking about when you're young, right? We're, we're outlining your earlier years. It's understanding how that shapes your perception and stability is really important for young people because it's hard when you're trying to like figure out who you are and then you want to feel comfortable to like explore and see if you don't build other trust things. in relationships you need job. that you, you need do. that and who is the first people that we're supposed to build trust and security with it's your parents yeah whoever they are right whether they're bio or not whether they're guardians or not mm -hmm. it's your parents and if you feel any type of animosity hostility or rejection you better believe it's going to play on every type of relationship you try to formulate mm -hmm. as you get older. Absolutely. So that's why it's good for us to understand that part so we can understand maybe some of the other things you may have dealt with you know, as you got older. Or all of us do, in all honesty. Um, but piggybacking on that idea, I don't know how you would identify, but how has your experience been from your family's perspective? How, do they, how would they determine how they uh, view culture? So like for some people that grow up here in the country, they have American values and norms and traditions that they may subscribe to. And then those of us that have family from other parts of the world, they have their traditions that they bring here. Do you have any element or, or experience of that as you were getting older? We were very religious growing up. I remember doing like Catholic, like, uh, what is it? Well, like confessions? Well, no, like they, we did the whole cataclysm, I think, or like, I don't remember it all the like words. That was a whole thing, and I got baptized and all the did all these classes when I was like seven years old. And okay. I don't obviously remember any of it because I didn't really like. <laughs> I don't resonate with that very much. But uh, that's fair. Then I grew up non-denominational Christian in like the '90s down in Miami. So okay, I uh, I think that was the most rebellious that I've really ever been mentally is like reading the Bible and then going to church and being like, I don't understand this and mm. I don't understand that and why do we do this and why do we do that. Which I think happens to a lot of us, right? For those that kind of... I was a little I, bit more aware at a younger age yeah. about things. I mean, there is, for most people, I think there is a level of sort of indoctrination that has to happen. Like if mom and dad are on one accord, like your kid's probably going to be a part of it too. And yeah. obviously you don't really get a, vo a vote. No, not at all. Um, but do you think that that was something that like, did your parents sort of impress that upon you? Like you need to walk this certain path from a religious lens? Uh, my grandmother, yes. Uh, she's very religious and then she changes her religions kind of frequently so it's mm. like kind of hard to even please her yeah in that way if you did want to please her in that way but um, my mom is very she believes everybody should have their own personal thing and mm. she doesn't want to really uh, impede on anybody else's freedoms essentially okay. did would you say like in your early but I always had to go to church but when I was a kid that was gonna be my question <laughs> she like, was a worship leader and I was did that did church. that change though um, like from younger to older, where it was you had to go a lot, and then you guys after just kind of stopped. After eleven or twelve, that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. And okay. then by the time I moved back up to New York, uh, I don't maybe went to church like during New Year's or Christmas or something when Grandma came to visit or something. Okay. So would you say now? Do you subscribe to any elements of that? Or are you more? Um, I open? I 
I would say I like to pick and choose different things from each religion. I think mm. a lot of them hold a lot of great morals. Sure. But, uh, essentially, to me, it's all just literature that we put more energy into in certain ways. Yeah. And it could be a good thing, and it could also be a bad thing. I think there's, you know, for those that are like fundamentalists and they're like, you know, we want to follow it by the letter that's in whatever text you're well, reading letter? from. How many times has it been edited? Hey, that's, <laughs> hey, that, that, that's, that's the debate people have. I think theological scholars have those debates all the time. Trying I don't to, even know all trying the to, Trying to figure out. I don't either. <laughs> but I, I, did, I did grow up Christian, so I, I, I speak about that experience because I think for some of us, especially when you talk about religion, there are inherent rules that usually you're told day in and day out so it kind of becomes again part of your worldview so i'm always curious like does that play a role in how you dealt with people created friendships how you dealt with your own family um i would say the people that, uh, in the church that i grew up with were were like a community indeed so i was really grateful to not have like a negative experience in church where it's like i didn't notice any craziness but like uh, yeah. everybody was always there for each other so that was that's to me that's the best case scenario that's yeah. like when you have true fellowship and true community yeah right where people actually support each other yeah so i i don't have any really negative connotation in where i went to church or like anything and the people i went to church with were great um i still hold on to you know respecting and having a personal relationship with god's source whatever it is you want to define yeah as um i still believe in source or you know I don't really believe that we as humans know everything to really. I, I think we can. It. I think we can all fundamentally say we don't know everything. <laughs> There's a lot of unknowns out there. We're still trying to figure it out. But I'm accepting of all things. Like I think I was Buddhist for most of my 20s, to be honest. Oh, okay. And still, that hold I hold more of Buddhism and Taoism than anything else, and I feel like that so, brought more peace into my life. Than just to clarify, so that all of us know, when you say Buddhist, are you talking more from like Chinese Buddhism? Indian Buddhism or like you know other Asian um more Indian countries. Indian okay Indian and uh I got into Thai like Buddhism but it was it's a, it's a little bit much for me okay I mean I don't have much experience <laughs> there I just I know a little bit about there are some differentiations depending that on letting like, go where of you cutting went? my hair I just don't know <laughs> oh is, is that is that a thing you have to cut your hair off well in some of the temples there if you're even allowed to be in the temples there while well, you're a woman really I don't know when I, I, in I, Thailand. I was specifically. I'm surprised women would have to cut their hair. I mean, for men, I would think, yeah. It's for that sure. release. It's that letting go of the. I mean, like, listen. Indoctrination I, of glamour and. I've heard, I've heard. Well, not to the extreme of shaving, right? But I've definitely seen those stories of like you go through a breakup and you're trying to feel better, so and you just cut it off and you're like, ah, I feel like this new person. And, and I'm I dyed free. my hair once, <laughs> like when or I lost too. a job. <laughs> or that too, right? Some way to just kind of reinvent yourself. Yes. Okay. I usually just travel. I disappear into the mountains. That's how I reinvent myself. So you I retreat. Go, yes. Kind of like, uh, what was it? Uh, Julia Roberts' Eat, Pray, Love. I never saw that movie. Okay. Well, she retreated to India and she actually went to like to the different that. temples and was praying and all that. I go to California. And like, okay. I was, as a Brooklyn girl, I hated nature and was scared of all animals. And like, that makes sense. You're in the concrete jungle. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I thought animals were scarier than humans. And then you're like, you go into like the. A hiking trail in California and like people are way worse than animals. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. As long as it's probably not like a mountain lion. Because oh, I believe I believe they eat people out there. Well, big sticks, but make loud noises and you're fine. You Just know? do it during the day. Yeah. Do it during the day. We don't sure. want we don't want to risk anybody getting hurt. <laughs> I've only had one experience and my friend got really loud and it left. Okay. 
So I don't really know. I don't know if that works every time. No, I'm, I don't know either. But I do think, to your point, though, it's good. I, I like that element you just brought up to kind of challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. If you're if you grow up, you grow up city person and you're like, oh, I'm going to go get some of this wild, wild wilderness adventure experience. I couldn't even look over the Empire State Building because I was scared of heights, which is actually programming from my mother. Like I wasn't actually scared of heights, but I had to like let go of the fact that I wasn't. She was scared and she just like told you, like, don't don't go. No, she didn't tell me anything, but I was around her. And when she was in fear of being in high places, then I, you know, Mm. empathically held on to that, like. Hmm. I guess to feel connected. No, but that's, it's funny. You, you're reminding me of the previous um, conversation I had in, t- in terms of like modeling. I always talk about like modeling behavior. And like there's things that uh, parents and anybody who like, if you have a mentor or, or anybody that you're taking care of, right, you have an opportunity to impress and influence, right? Absolutely. So sometimes with parents, you're not like, they're not explicitly telling you in this scenario, like you said, don't go on these high buildings and look over nothing no, like that no. but you can tell based on how they behave how they carry themselves that you sort of learn the do's and the don'ts yes right? I, I was a, an observer so like my mom didn't have to tell me a lot you like, just you're picking up on whatever you see that's happening I literally watched everybody and I hmm. I learned to not question anymore because I was so aware sometimes that it would make people uncomfortable so hmm. down to that like as a toddler I remember like I remember a lot that's very interesting so when you're saying that they, your parents were, maybe they weren't always explicitly giving you instruction or, or rules about stuff, but you're kind of observing. So you're saying that started As off yeah. when you were very, very young? Mm-hmm. I knew how to navigate certain relationships just by watching how everybody else was. Mm. Okay. Because I didn't want to be seen. This is why this right now is a lot for me because like... Which we appreciate you remembering. <laughs> no, l- l- let me ask you a follow-up to that. So do you and your parents, do y'all... Or have y'all? Maybe this is more a mom question since you said you don't really associate with dad as much. Have you guys ever had discussions about that since then? That there was a lot of things that kind of went unsaid and I just kind of had to observe to understand how to fit in in it? Um, I would say my mom, the way she says it is, you are the easiest kid. Um, I'm so grateful I had you first. Is, I guess, mm. the only way she would really brace on that because mm. I feel like before, you know, everything kind of like happened in a different way the yeah. most I, the most I got in trouble was like I stole a bike from a charity drive because my best friend's mom wouldn't give her a bike oh you so, stole it for your friend for my friend got it for charity you know <laughs> <laughs> it was a charity drive at school so here there you my, go. my best friend doesn't have a bike and I have a bike I'm trying to get one for her <laughs> so I got in so much trouble my mom's like but how could I really be mad like she it was a charity drive <laughs> that's fair <laughs> Maybe she's like, try, yeah, that's that's those little sticky she's points. She's like, don't she's like, steal. Yeah, I want to help you get one, but please don't take it from other people. That's, <laughs> that's so unfair. So you guys, okay, so it's safe to say, even right now, so you guys haven't really had some of those discussions maybe about how it was when you were coming up? Um, I feel like some of the subjects are a little touchy, mm-hmm. and I don't mind talking about things, but I don't think everybody is ready to talk about oh, stuff. Oh, most definitely. There's plenty, so, there's plenty of things that usually are we're, we're quite sensitive to. The only reason why I'm asking you is because I also try to talk about on this platform the importance of getting to those things because it's very natural for us to kind of keep pushing things further and further down the road. That would be the programming. In my and head. then what happens is we just get older and older and we never actually deal with this stuff. And then it ends up having, in some cases, a disastrous impact. And when it's our turn to have our own families and our own relationships. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, in my family, we, we hold things in. I try not to because I, I it hurts physically for me to not, you know, let things go. But um, she's got Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Mm. And so, like, I feel like a lot of the things that she likes to uh, hold in manifests in her ailments. Mm. So, uh, whereas I know she wants the change in her life and she wants, you know, to not be sick, but she's still not willing to, like, really see herself for everything she can be. That's an interesting perspective, too. I could imagine because if you have those ailments, you have the physical... It's hard to even pain that you might be dealing with. Right. Like to even imagine what it could look like. But I like to make the point also that even when you're suffering from mental and emotional issues, it can manifest in a physical way. Or maybe in your mother's case, for example, it might amplify whatever she's already experiencing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can get that anxious feeling and it's like in your stomach. Oh, yeah. I can feel when like when she's sick, I can feel her from here. And right now she's in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I had, like, hit her up uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and I was like, what's going on? What's up? And she had just gotten out of the ER, so I'm like, we're always very connected, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Like, mm. sometimes I feel like uh, the words hurt more because she's not ready to heal, but, like, she's ready to evolve the relationship in a different way where we don't always need to talk about those things because it's not like we're holding on to the same patterns so to speak at least not her and i okay okay but that's but you're you're also if i'm understanding correctly that's where you're kind of drawing the line in the sand where you and her are different yeah because she's more i'm trying to heal she's somewhat more evasive so she may not want to go into those things but you're more comfortable it ends with me going to that (laughs) hey that's how i'm trying to heal all these generations that's how generational things change yeah that's shoot that's why i'm here that's what i'm talking about i mean i want it to be better and i I didn't learn a lot of these things myself my grandmother's so so scared of talking about anything and just questioning anything it's a whole thing like i'm like not the extreme but like because i can still be at peace and just kind of accept the world around me yeah i mean i'm a big believer in again you have to have at least general acknowledgement of things (laughs) if you want if you want to grow if you want to move forward right (laughs) my grandmother no and, and, and sometimes, I, and I also know... It's that generation. Gen, generational is a thing. Because for a lot of folks, I think I was talking to another therapist on a previous episode. We talked about how our culture now is a little bit more accepting of that. To acknowledge, like, I have these struggles, I have these issues. And it may not be necessarily that previous generations didn't want to talk about it, but maybe it was... It could have been, right? That it felt so oppressive. That it just... There was never the right time. There was never yeah. the right moment. I truly just need to suffer in silence. Yeah. You know? Which... I, even me saying that out loud, it's still kind of hard to wrap my head around because, as you said, I want the generations to be better moving forward. Yeah. But I also understand that we kind of have to have the the real talk of how it used to be back then compared to how it is now. Yeah. So maybe we can get we can get into the details more. We can have platforms like this to actually discuss these things, whereas maybe in the past that really couldn't have been an option as much for most of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I mean, even just being on video like my grandmother didn't even have any kind of any of this growing up but like i couldn't imagine like growing up in the 50s or 60s i mean already an oppressive time period yeah i was gonna say you know most of us we're just we're products of our time right not because you don't want change but it's just the time that you happen to grow up in certain things can happen and maybe certain things couldn't happen not because you didn't want them to yeah and i say it that way because especially what I do and in the field of mental health, that's the nuance. 
You know, when we talk about a lot of things, we talk about things very black and white. It's it's usually yeah. extremes. You're either on this side, you're that side. You look at the world this way or this way. But if it's a spectrum, correct? There's, there's all the middle. I make the point that most things are are on a spectrum, right? We all fall in different areas and different places when we're thinking about different concepts, right? The gray to me is that's that's the truth. That's actually what most of us are going through. So, the question is when we try to engage in these discussions and actually talk about these things, how do we properly and comfortably articulate how we're actually feeling without having to feel like you have to push yourself into one bucket or another? Because I think that that doesn't lead to productive dialogue. It actually makes it harder for us to connect because we're not being very honest. Do you have any any thought about that? Um, say that again? A restructure? <laughs> no, so I'm talking about these extremes that we tend to we tend to go into when we're trying to communicate a lot of times we kind of go one side or the other but as you acknowledge a lot of things are gray yeah but if we continue to put this like kind of dynamic where you got to go on one side or the other I it makes a, it kind of hard to understand i think fear is a big part of that because like you have to to even like see another perspective or see that there's more than just black and white you have to break brace that fear like, yeah, that's true. Why don't you want to think that there could be another way, or why? That's a, see, that's a good inquisitive question. If you really want to learn something, <laughs> right? if you if you actually want to learn, you would ask that question. Yeah. Why? Like, why would it be so bad yeah. to allow somebody here to speak a different viewpoint than one that you already hold? And why wouldn't we be? I mean, I feel like a whereas everybody wants to be so independently uni unique, people also don't want to be different. Oh yeah, we Let's. know that. Uh, I always get that expression wrong. The the nail that sticks out is the one that gets hammered. However that thing goes. Though, Story if, of my life. If you stick out, more than likely people notice it. Sometimes they shame you. Sometimes they make you feel bad about being you. I mean, I'm not going to go on a tangent because we could put almost anything in that example. The point is we want to usually be a part of that community, whatever that may look like for us. But there also is an element of trying to feel comfortable in your own skin, and you may want to push the boundaries a little bit. That may not be quote-unquote traditional. Yes. So how do we navigate that? Or what? how do we see ourselves maybe in those spaces where you might feel like, I'm not supposed to be that way? Again, going back to like, kind of like tradition. I'll, I'll, I, I, I can embrace that. I um, grew up religious and uh, did a workshop for film, and I was in the College of Santa Fe, New Mexico, mm. and met a girl. Okay. I dated this girl for five years. Okay. And had a three-year breakup with her. Now, never in that time did I ever think, oh, I was raised religious, this is against me. I, In the back of my head, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't tell grandma because, you know, she's a little, let her, let her, let her have her life okay. the way she needs it. But, like, I was always open to experiencing something that I didn't understand. Okay. And I've never, at, up until that point, ever thought about a woman. So I'm like, not maybe that was like upbringing. I don't really know, but could have been. It was. It just wasn't like. Whereas I feel like uh, my ex and her side of the. She was in California. All of her friends, they were all making out with each other, like in middle school. So I'm like. So there was maybe a little bit more openness and experimentation on, on the, that side. Yeah. So like, I. I allowed myself to be present in each moment, and it was that was like to date one of the most difficult uh, relationships I've had because uh, mm. I allowed myself to be more vulnerable. So, and, al and also you put yourself in a uniquely 
And you need to be different situation that you're not used to. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for real. Because you said like, okay, I didn't grow up in that environment, so obviously that's not the the norm for yeah. you, right? So you're going out here, you're like, I'm gonna be open to the experience, but then there's like, I almost have no frame of reference of like how that's supposed to work. Yeah, and I'm nothing. also trying to be mindful of my family and I don't really want them to be involved. Mm -hmm. And right? at that point I hadn't had really a good model for a you know, healthy relationship. Mm. Oh wait, see, you're hitting <laughs> a buzzword now. <laughs> Models, right? So then we talk about, I'll, let me circle back for those that may not have caught that. So we talked in the beginning about how you are a product of young parents. Mm -hmm. Why does that matter? Why am I even trying to draw a point there? Because usually what happens is, and there's no, to reiterate, there's no book that teaches you how to parent, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't hold parents to like these unrealistic standards because they're always going to make mistakes. We, including myself, will make mistakes. But that's how we grow. When you're younger, you're inherently going to make more mistakes. Like, number one, you're more impulsive, your frontal lobe your decision-making center of your brain is not even fully formed. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff you're just going to do, right? It's just a, a part of the process. But if I have a little one and I have to try to figure out how to enforce these boundaries and these rules while also creating that warm, inviting space, that's going to be really hard when I am still trying to grow and to develop myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I have those challenges, put that on the one side. Then you talked about, okay, I didn't have the best model, right? Why is it helpful, maybe, to have slightly older parents? And by old, I don't mean like they got to be 40 or 50. It can be in their 30s or so. Mm -hmm. Because Someone they can, who, who is, they can demonstrate that relationship. Yeah. They can demonstrate what that looks like. Like, I talk about that so much. If we're, if we're parents, right, and, you have, and we have a daughter, the daughter's looking at the way that we interact and saying, hey, look at how your dad treats your mom. And if she's heterosexual, right? This is how a man should treat you. Yeah. And then the way you treat me, she's seeing that's how I should honor my spouse. Absolutely. Right. And then, and we're demonstrating that those those may be things that we say and, and what we don't say. Absolutely. Works. Absolutely. And, and, and it works well that way. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it works well in that sort of traditional sense. But when you don't have that, it can make it difficult. Let me give you a personal example as to how also I can agree with what you've gone through. I grew up with primarily just my dad and my older sister because my mom passed away. When I was very young so that element of being able to be more expressive and more vulnerable that women usually bring to the table that mothers do I didn't have I got an abundance of the be strong be structured be disciplined be orderly right be a good provider for yourself I got an abundance of that not really any of the warm fuzzy stuff that especially helps you when you're trying to develop real relationships with women right that's just a byproduct of my circumstance. We all have different circumstances. We don't pick those, right? Yeah. But it's more just trying to understand how we may interact and engage with some of these challenges that we end up dealing with based on our starting point. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So to me, like, that's very comparable to what you were just yeah. describing. Like, you got young parents. This is a lot you're not going to probably learn, you know? I mean, they didn't even get to go through their early 20s where you kind of, like, I feel like I didn't really figure out who I was until, like, after that breakup. Yeah. To where I'm like, that's when like the real re rebe rebellion came, where I didn't even want to be myself. Mm. To where I'm like, uh, I completely dismantled who I was as a human, which is when I like actually conquered my fear of heights was after that breakup on 420 in uh, California. Uh, what, did, what did you do? I went for a hike and I climbed. I was in Thousand Oaks in Wildwood, and I climbed to where this little tiny baby waterfall, maybe 30 feet, mm -hmm. and I jumped off. There's like a little pool, and it felt like I was falling for like 
five years. <laughs> and like in that like five seconds that it took to fall yeah. five years in my perspective, sure. I realized that there's no way I can control even if I did fall like and then it made me contemplate death where I'm just like, well, if this is the last time I, I am alive and I do die like on this jump, like mm -hmm. what can I look back on? At that point, I had been in love. I had worked in media. I had conquered most of the dreams that I had at that point. Mm -hmm moved to another state by myself like i mean i went into debt like it's a whole Just thing exploring all these things <laughs> exploring all the things and then i was never scared of heights again and started like bouldering and like rock climbing and see that's an that's an example of like literally tackling your challenges head on yeah like this is the thing i'm afraid of and i'm about to run head first at it yeah right see I, what i thought you was gonna say was <laughs> what i did i thought you were gonna say you went skydiving because that's what that, i did. i want to go so bad it's really fun oh it's really fun and you, fall, and you fall a bit longer, so you can really contemplate life. <laughs> you're, you're falling for a good minute. So. Put, keep that on your to-do list if, I will, you, if I you like will. doing that. I, I want to go back for a second because you brought up another good point, talking about your relationships, right? So before I jump into that, exactly, how would you say that you, at least at this moment, how would you say that you identify from a, a romantic standpoint in terms of interest? I guess for, for all the people who like to uh, have... Uh, some boxes. sort of frame of reference with some, like a some label. Some frame of reference. Uh, I am in a heterosexual relationship right now. Okay. Um, which is, you know, amazing. Like, I don't... I'm, I'm very grateful that I am with somebody who is a complete gentleman, but likes to have fun and do all, all the things. Like, mm -hmm. so... I There was a lot of time in between my ex-girlfriend and this that it was just like... I was a horrible human being, I think, but, but not really. Maybe, maybe, maybe a growing period. A huge growing period. That's fair. <laughs> and listen, we all go through it, so that's fair. Let me, let me ask you, just so I can kind of wrap my head around the time period we're talking about. So, like, roughly about how much time between end of relationship with your ex partner and then this one? Uh, that was around begin. 2000. It's about 10 years. Okay, so that's a lot of growth. So you had a decade of growth. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's solid. That's solid. That's solid. Okay. Yeah, I dated people here and there, and I just didn't really hold a lot of respect for relationships. In, following the following the last one? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think really just because uh, I really loved the media, and I left my career to be in that relationship. So, um. like, that, I think, messed with me more than breaking up actually did. Like, the actual relationship, but me losing part, or in that perspective, what I thought sure. was part of myself, because... At that point, I identified as a businesswoman who did media. Let me let me ask you a quick question on that concept. Do you feel like when, as a part of that growing period and when you left, was there a period of resentment? Oh, I mean, yeah, I went into debt. <laughs> I had a 780 credit score and like by 18 and by the time I was 25, I was like this hippie traveling the country. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was, was that was that exclusive for that partner, for that relationship? That's why you did all that? No, I mean, it was just because, I mean, that's just... Or that was just you living life, just kind of exploring. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're asking about me moving to California, yeah, mm -hmm. that was for the relationship. Okay. Um, okay. Essentially, she didn't believe I could just be, like, with a woman. So that was my challenge because I, I like women and men. Mm. I like people. I like energy. I don't know... I don't know. I can't even say I hook up with a lot of women. But so, that, but that, that was. That, was that also the only one that you have had, like significant romantic relationship that you've had? Yes. With a woman. Yes. Okay. I mean, there's there's only a. I mean. I mean, you said five years. So that's obviously a 
big chunk of time. Yeah, it's a big chunk of time. Lots of exploration, lots of different things. We were like 18 to 24-ish. Okay. Um, okay. No, and I think that that's important, especially for us listening, because again, some people are gonna identify with that, right? Like, how do you? How does one determine? You Even know, when we were together, they like? we didn't say we were lesbians or anything. We just never. We're like we're Jasmine and Janine. You just That's connected, it. and yeah. then it somehow this is what it, we're doing it, now. it built from there. Yeah, that was pretty much it. There was like never okay. all of this. See, I always find at the that, most of we were engaged, and that was the most. I always labeled. find that stuff so interesting because this is the man. This is the very nuanced discussions that I think we need to have now, especially again going back to the labels. Right when I kind of asked about it. Because we don't want to necessarily subscribe to stuff right now. Yeah. But we kind of, at least to me, I think like we use it just to kind of get a starting point of like what what do you even are interested in? What do you pursue? Who do you allow to pursue you? Yeah. Right. So let me ask you a question on that concept. And I'm, and I'm curious. I'm going to actually ask you in, in both ways. Can you lay out for us how do you think a man should approach you if he was interested in you? With full respect, we know you're in a relationship. And how would a woman approach you or maybe how you would you approach a woman if you were interested you I honestly am I'm horrible at approaching women horrible like okay. they approach me like I okay. do not know how to like I mean I I joke around a lot but okay. like I am not good at that whatsoever it just always happens so somehow they find you um I, well with my ex it was we took a nap together and that was it like where at the, because we were both at that workshop in New Mexico. Oh, okay, okay. So I was from New York. She was from California. So like, I don't know. The first day we were there, we took a nap together, which I was not a touchy feely person at that point. Okay. So it just everything. It just blossomed happened. from there. Yeah. Okay. So. I, and then the other girl, I had a really close friend that she used to like to experiment with me, and then that was the only other longest girl situation that I've been in. But we were in like, okay, emotionally. Sure. Oh, emotionally invested? Yeah, it was just uh, more of a physical relationship. Okay. So how about on the male side? Is it more or less the same thing that they're typically coming to you? Um, No, I would say I'm a little bit like, I don't know, if, especially like a few years ago, it would, I was just like a, a savage, I think. like. So I, you would go to them? I, I developed a bit of an addiction to sex uh, okay. after the breakup. So as, I, as a part of what, I think maybe, that, maybe was, that healing that and was, growing <laughs> time? That was, that was, that was the direct thing after the uh, relationship that I okay. noticed. Uh, I started smoking cigarettes again and then all that. So, okay. Which cigarettes was the way I, I actually connected with my parents when because my mom left and I was always against cigarettes. And when she left, I started smoking cigarettes. Mm. So I was okay. like, I didn't realize that until two years ago where I was like, I was in the mountains and I'm like, I am done smoking cigarettes. Like this is I'm over it, whatever this is. Yeah. So I figured out what the association was. No, that definitely makes sense. I mean, it can be like a way to kind of feel close to that person. Absolutely. Because that's a habit that they had. Absolutely. But when you say that for that moment, you made me think of um, not just the opportunity to connect, but in ways that you were maybe trying to cope through the situation, which, again, kind of put my therapist on hat on just for a second. <laughs> we know that's not really coping. It's oh more just avoiding it's like the, yeah. whatever the I feeling is that I need, to, I need to sit with. Like I need to sit with the I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm lonely. At that point, uh, what I still, do I do with this? Yeah, I wasn't able to even grasp that concept. I can allow. I can sit there for other people's healing at that point. Mm, okay. I wasn't ready to even. But you weren't giving yourself the space. No, no, no. I was allowing myself to be in nature, and that's about it. Which was okay. like the first step. But like, no, I was. I didn't start doing the real, real work, and intermittently. 
mm. but like up until like the last few years where I'm just like okay something had arisen from the from the addiction that had come back up and I was just like so did I not well if I haven't had a relationship that's actual like I didn't respect a lot of the men that I was with mm. not like in the horrible way but you know I didn't I wasn't vulnerable in any relationship so you, in that you, you made sure you kept like that emotional oh, wall oh my god so many walls there was okay. like a maze of walls in there like <laughs> I just don't even know I didn't realize until like even recently where the guy that I'm with right now he's just like I don't ever want to give anybody like too much like I feel like there is something that's very valuable about keeping who you some of who you are to you like and I, I can appreciate that. I think it's, it, to me, that what your point is very well said. And I think about it in terms of the confidence and the trust you must have in that person that you have to build with that person. Yeah. Right? So starting off day one, I don't expect you to, like, pour your soul out to me because. And it's a lot gonna, of people it, want that now. You got to feel comfortable. Like, I'm huge on comfort, right? Especially, like, anytime you're sitting down, even right now, there's not an expectation that I'm going to get X amount of information from this person. It is slowly but surely over time i want to create that environment where this person feels comfortable enough yeah. to want to volunteer that information not because i'm probing them no holding because because they're generally like oh I, I really want to tell you this because it just makes me feel good to express this to you right but depending on the environments that we come from a lot of us don't learn that right growing up so then naturally it's really uncomfortable again men we typically don't anything. do that because it's just never okay for us um but on top of that, going back to your relationship example, so when you're coming out of that and you're trying to figure out, okay, am I ready to deal with any of that stuff? And it sounds like you're saying over the, initially for that that initial time after you got out of it, you're like, no, I, I'm just going to live and then maybe I'll get back to it at a later time. Oh my goodness, yes. I didn't even realize what I was doing, but what I, w I was dealing with like some ulcers and stomach situations. So mm -hmm. like I completely changed a lot of things and like... Um, I was healing other things. Okay. So, uh, like Western medicine, I was healing the symptoms of what was of what I was experiencing, not realizing that what I was experiencing was like a byproduct of what I was ignoring. Mm. So. Real words never said. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. Ugh. Getting to the root cause, right? That's essentially what she said from a physical perspective. You got to get to the root cause. That's how you deal with stuff. So symptoms don't always have to keep manifesting. So I worked at this macrobiotic school. I've I've never been so healthy in my life when I was there, and I felt like I was floating. And in that, I realized that I was not dealing with any of my emotions from childhood, from the relationship, from just being in society in a way that I didn't really understand who I was anymore because I was still traveling and like kind of dismantling who I thought I wanted to be, yeah. especially before the relationship where I'm like, that I don't know why that was like the biggest thing because I'm like, I didn't even feel like in the moment I identified as like somebody in media. Whereas like, I don't understand why I held on to that for so long, like in my, like after the breakup. Oh, you haven't, you still, you're saying even now you have No, no, I have now. Like, oh, okay. that's why I'm doing this now. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I did everything in my power to, like, just not be anywhere in media except, like, maybe help out a friend, plug in some speakers for a show in which I'm not on camera. Wait, I have now. a question. Wait, I have a question then. Cause you, and I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to pry, but I feel like you said something that in my mind, like, kind of clicked. When you said earlier, talking about you kind of, you agreed that you may have had some resentment following 
leaving your career and what you had built to go be in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that was somewhat of a response? Why you then pulled back and were like, after the relationship was over, I don't want to do anything that had to Absolutely. do with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I never wanted to be that vulnerable again, but I didn't realize in that moment because like, I'm still like Jasmine, all free love. Like I'll hug you. Like I just want to make you feel like amazing in the moment. Like <laughs> I'm like dealing with my own trauma, but like everybody's having a good time. Sure. So it, it's, I had to like break that down. Because okay. it's like, I also want everybody to feel good. And like, mm. healing, that was like, that's what sparked the, the addiction sexually. It was because I realized I was making people feel good. And then I started getting high off making people feel good. But then, but then, it, but cir then it circles around you actually dealing with your stuff. Oh my God. And then you don't realize what you're doing. Oh, after a while, it's, it's horrible. And then, you know, I always talk about I didn't have well. a guide. I didn't have YouTube. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, we're, we're also, we're creatures of habit, too. Like, yeah. when you get used to doing certain things, it just becomes your norm, even if it's unhealthy, even if you don't like it and you're trying to change it. Dude, people had no idea who I was. Like, I had friends for a decade, and they didn't know any personal tidbits about me. They only knew what we experienced in each moment for about a decade. Because you had that huge wall up. Oh, my goodness. And listen. And I was like, it's only been in the last like four years that I've actually like, maybe five since 2018 is when I started to share, you know, anything about myself. Cause I'm like, first of all, like it's it's the only life I'm living. So like, why Correct. am I? Why am I not? It's it's not stepping into myself. No, you're 100 percent right. And to me, that's I had a sort of similar epiphany to what you're describing there. Um, the way I sort of understand it, I kind of came at it initially from a parenting perspective, and then it's kind of grown from there. The idea that when you have a kid, your objective, this is just my opinion, your objective is not only to guide them and give them structure and wisdom and love and embrace and all of that, but to also share a lot about your lived experience so that way hopefully they can benefit by avoiding some of the pitfalls that you had. Not all of them, yeah, because it's not possible, but some of them, right? But the key part that has to happen is we have to have that type of relationship. Yeah, you have to develop trust. We have to be able to, to talk about these things. They have to feel comfortable enough to actually tell me things mm -hmm. that I might not want to hear. But I have to try to maintain that for them, right? So that way Holding we can deal with hard. stuff. Incredibly. Incredibly hard. But or a I, neutral space because... Yeah. I mean, where you're trying to... Maybe you need to keep your own feelings in check because I'm like, hey, we're trying to make this about you right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I say that because as I've gotten older and I've started put that in perspective that's also why I felt the need to do this because I feel like for a lot of people out there they don't have that go-to person they might be in that space you were in for a decade where yeah. I'm guarded now and I don't let nobody videos in. on YouTube and like I'm right. like ah yeah where were you <laughs> exactly like there's people like and that actually makes me excited I, I feel like kids aren't even as grateful <laughs> to have all the things well they, they well the, to be fair they don't know they don't know how see <laughs> I try to make it clear I'm like hey it was not always like this. Like, it was I very, very difficult. I used to, to call my friends if I needed to talk to them. Hey, <laughs> I already talked about the flip phones. The, the we, we had restricted text messages back then. You had to pay extra for them. Oh, my God. It's like, it's, it was so expensive to text. It was a very different time. But pay even, per, uh, But even from, to your point about the, the openness aspect, like, I don't think they will ever really appreciate it. And I don't hold it against them. It's no. just, they, they won't know. because society is Right, they, they didn't live through that. But to me, the point is still the same. We can't learn and grow and evolve as individuals if we're not willing to share. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not necessarily just about your parents and your guardians and your family, because that's like, okay, those are your initial people that you deal with the most. But what about when you go to school? And what about when you go to a job? And what about when you want to form relationships with folks of whatever mm -hmm. persuasion, right? 
if I don't feel comfortable doing those things much earlier on in my life, then it's going to be immensely harder when I want to do them later. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Breaking down all the programming to then build up, you know, what it is that you Correct. want to be or who you really are. Or not even creating yourself, not finding yourself. But or maybe yourself. not even recognize that I have this gigantic wall here. And the hard part is you can't see it. Right. Uh, especially it's, it's not present. Oh. Right. <laughs> some, of, some of us are like, you know, if I'm a people pleaser or I prioritize you guys ahead of me, then you you're, you're not going to catch that. You're going to be like, oh, so everything's great in your world. And I could be feeling horrible inside. Or I'm mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of stuff, but I'll never let you actually in to, to see that. Yeah. Right. I was very good at that. Same. Same. <laughs> I was really good at poker facing, being a good student so that you didn't really want to look deeper. Yeah. That's that's what I learned in my upbringing, kind of keeping it. So no eyes would come over here. But my point is, is that the vulnerability aspect that you discussed for a lot of us and we're the same age for a lot of us it might take us an extended period of time to like kind of come to that realization. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that with us being here and people like yourself that are sharing and talking about these things, it makes it easier to your point about having YouTube and these public platforms. Mm -hmm. So people can go and look and say, well, I don't have a mom that I can open up to because we don't have a great relationship. But I saw this woman, Jasmine, on this show, and she was talking about some stories that I resonated with and that made me feel comfortable to actually go deal with my stuff. That's, right? yeah. That's what I think about for the guys, because I understand there's not a lot of us that are like in these spaces doing these things. So trying to create that environment where it's OK for them to talk about those things, because we're even less likely more so than you all are. Nothing against women. No, no, no. The harder part is for us just because we're actively taught to not do it. You're taught to shut down, operate dirt in your like solar plex. Just shut it down. Just yes. move. Which just... has, you know, a bunch of other issues <laughs> that, that we end up inadvertently dealing with. But that's the reason why I believe, no matter how uncomfortable it is, to actually be willing to share these stories. Absolutely. And to talk, whatever we're comfortable sharing, right? Because that, that might be somebody's kind of jump on point. They're on ramp into actually dealing with their stuff and actually trying to do healing work. Whether it's with a professional or not, although I would recommend you do it with a professional, because it's a little easier. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, so long to get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I do a lot of research and I'm like, which is also good because people have access, right? So you can, you can get more resources that maybe historically you didn't have access to in, in the past. Absolutely. So that I think that certainly helps. Um, I want to go back for a moment because I, I like to also think a lot about when I'm doing certain couples work and family work is talking about expectations. So whether it's parents on their child or, or it's just couples trying to navigate it with each other. It's, there's a lot of like inherent things that like we don't talk about and yet we expect of each other. Mm -hmm. And I find that quite funny because it's very difficult to get something that you never tell the person that you want yes you know or maybe deliver it in the manner that you would prefer it right have you ever had a challenge with that when it came to either the ex relationship or with your current partner at all I go through phases with with that and just people in general where um, I feel like maybe I might be hyper aware about a situation mm -hmm. whereas like if someone's not ready to like even approach that topic then me bringing it up like makes it go crazy so yeah. i've i've kind of tried to like not walk on eggshells around people anymore but also like be able to be like well i sense this but i i want to if you want to talk about this i want to be able to be there and talk about it but like mm -hmm. i feel like the more we ignore it the more it's not going to be talked about and like, i allow people to I don't know. Like right now, I'm like in this relationship where I just, I've never done any of the things that I'm doing right now. Like taking it very slow, like 
I've never dated anybody, really. So you're, I just, so you're pacing yourself now. Yes. I literally, that's it. I smile at you. We're having sex, and that's it. We're <laughs> hanging out. That's That was in, it was. That's how it was, wait, during that decade? Yes. Okay. I'm just like, that's it. I smile. We're done. Like, come on. Like, I never dug deep So na- So now we're, now we're pulling back the layers and really experimenting and exploring. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. we're... Whereas I feel like he just thinks I'm trying to be coy and whatnot. Whereas I'm like, no, I really had an addiction. I've lost jobs. Like, mm-hmm. it was a struggle. Like, yeah. I literally lost myself in 2018, 19, 2019 because of, you know, I'll just might as well be vulnerable. I had a video come up from one of those experiences that I didn't realize was being filmed. Mm-hmm. So then I had someone else come up and say, hey, I saw this video. I didn't know you did this. So yeah, So privacy was being violated. Exactly. And I'm like, I don't even know who that was anymore. You know, like, I just, I can't even go back to resolve it. So, like, how do I navigate this now? Because, like, now in my head, that's it. I'm, I'm destroyed. The internet is forever. Like, <laughs> like what if my family comes across it? Like, Absolutely. I lost myself. I went to the mountains for a bit. No, I went to New Orleans, and then I went to the mountains. That's actually a very interesting point that I, I kind of pay attention to, but I think in full transparency the only context i've ever seen people discuss it in is in like sex work or you could talk about like revenge porn but i usually seen it in sex work in terms of you have a period of time where you're engaging in acts and then obviously you grow you mature you you turn into whoever you turn into yeah and then maybe you feel some type of way about what you did when you were younger but then it's hard for other people around you to accept that you have grown and you've changed into this person you are now yeah that's the only context i have seen it in but in your case it was completely like somebody took advantage of you yeah, like, uh, I thought he was taking a, a picture on his phone of something, mm-hmm. and then it turned out that there was three cameras in places that I didn't see, and it was a professionally done video. Oh, wow. Whereas, like, this is not what you said. Like, this, uh, and it so was you, like... So you legit got, like, blindsided. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry like, to hear that. how did you even get those angles? Like, I didn't even see a camera in any of those places. Like... So you were probably dealing with a professional. Yeah, or somebody who at least had experience. Yeah, I uh, there was like three videos because it was like three different occasions, like over like two years, where I'm just like, okay, that is horrible. You know, you get them deleted, and then you're like, well, do I go down the legal route and try to get it taken down and maybe get money out of it or whatever? Mm-hmm. Do you like let it go and be like, okay, well, I have to deal with that either way. Mm-hmm. Not the video because it's already done. Like, believe me, it took me a long time to get there. Like, I would just sit there and cry, and I'm like, I didn't even. Sex. No, like, I, I could Im- like, I could ah. imagine just being I I, I could totally or, imagine being in that situation. Like again, like if I wanted consent. kids, like if that comes out, like ah, you know. Yeah. You I see those things happen. Like, <laughs> no, but no, but that's that's definitely regardless the point is if I wanted to be a politician, now there's a video, you know. Ah Yeah. You know? And in your case, something <laughs> that you didn't want to happen happened against your will. And that's, you know, never acceptable. Yeah. Point blank period, because that's you know, you didn't have the opportunity to even give your consent. Yeah. Or if you did consent to something, it, it wasn't what it was it presented was a picture. as. It was supposed to be a picture. Right. <laughs> no, and, and I think that I think. That and that's I'm like, a, I'm like, okay, digital. I was trying to be like, okay, with the times, you know, people want, you know, digital stuffs. But but I there's limits though, right? And you need, yeah, you need people to be a little more in depth and detail about what they're doing. You know, 25, 26. I know now. <laughs> Speaking of that, I think that's a, that's a good opportunity to ask you a question. Especially because you're talking about, essentially, that decade was your 20s that you were referring to? Yeah. Uh, I think around 24, or 25 to, to about 20, 
eight is when it was really crazy, and then I moved out here, and it started slowly starting to calm down a little bit. I started to calm calm down, but really kind of not. But yes, yes and no. It was a different, it was a different kind of calm down. A little bit of back and forth, somewhat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Stay with that thought for a second. <laughs> Where I would be abstinent and then not. Okay. Okay. But I, I want to ask you a question on that idea because I think that this is this is an important point that you can give us insight. So imagine, let's go back to. 24, 25 year old Jasmine, like maybe, or maybe it's 23, right before everything had kind of gone down the way it did. Her or any other young lady that might be in that position in life, based on what you know now, right? What's something that you might offer to her or your former self to try to gain some insight so maybe they can avoid some of the challenges that you've had to deal with? I mean, I wouldn't be who I am right now if I didn't go through any of those things. But uh, True. I would say that if you don't, if you don't challenge yourself and get deep with yourself real quick, and like forget about everybody else around you, and just really like, if you don't challenge yourself, you're never. It doesn't matter what story I tell you. Mm. If you're not ready to like go deep with yourself, you're, there's nothing anyone can say. True. So I would suggest finding out why it is you know, quicker than I did. Why it is that I'm even fucking doing this. Right. Like, why am I expelling this energy to these people that benefit them in, in a second, you know, where, like, everybody feels elated, but, like... What about the, you? And, and I didn't even think about that until way later. I was just, like, you know, still, like, on the... It was actually a drug for me where I didn't even... It was just, like... Uh, like the dopamine hit? Exactly. Exactly. Where I feel like my third eye was calcified and I wasn't seeing anything, whereas I was feeling everybody's energy, but I wasn't allowing myself to like think about anything. Or I was operating my solar plex. Okay. But I would say sometimes you do have to just go down the road either way. No, true. But. No, true. I feel like the more vulnerable you can be with yourself, mm -hmm. the, the, the better it is. Because I wasn't allowing myself to be vulnerable in those few years when that started yeah because it's you know you can always trace anything back to childhood so it's like as we learn how to pivot in childhood like that's i feel like what i i kept i didn't want to be seen but i wanted to be seen and that's like literally what the video showed was like mm. you didn't want to be seen but you were seen by all these people right and you wanted to be seen but you didn't understand, you weren't vulnerable with yourself. Right. You're like, why are you not wanting to be seen? Because of childhood trauma. You didn't, you know, it was better to be quiet and do your things than like possibly getting in trouble and then getting taken away from the family, you know? Mm -hmm. That goes back to that old adage, like be seen and not heard. Exactly. I was really good at that. Except, you know, sometimes my smile was louder than like <laughs> people's voices. Like, no, but that, no, but that's a, you know, that's a, and I really appreciate you sharing that. That's a very valid point though. Like, there absolutely are certain experiences that we're gonna have. And listen, from a therapist's perspective, I'm never gonna say like, or try to diminish like what people go through, right? What I try to do, especially like in talking about it here, is I think a lot about outcomes, right? So when I think about the things that we go through, I'm always trying to understand, are there maybe some things that could possibly have been avoided within our control? So not talking about childhood stuff because we have zero control there. Nope. So whatever you deal with is like hopefully you get some help that you can deal with or when you're of age, you decide to face it, right? Which we know doesn't always happen. 
But to your point, when you're talking to that 20 year old, 23 year old version of you, so maybe you have a little bit of access, you have a little bit of autonomy of self. Look in the mirror. It's, right. It's, like I, I face some of those my, things. That's that's exactly what I would say. Just look at yourself in the mirror. Because I didn't look at myself in the mirror for almost a decade. Mm. Like even getting ready, I don't. I just put coconut oil on my hair and go. Like, I don't put makeup on. I don't do anything. Like, so I didn't look at myself for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think because I didn't allow myself to even look at myself in the mirror or take selfies or do any of it. Not, not that I think that taking selfies all the time is healthy either. Sure, sure. But No extremes of any kind. No when extremes. I, when I try to promote. <laughs> but sure. like uh, maybe taking a picture, a selfie, in my deepest, darkest point would have allowed me to look at myself mm-hmm. or looking in the mirror would have allowed me to be like, okay, what are you really doing? Because I did that one time when I was 11 or 12 years old. And I think it was right before my dad had left. And I was like, what are you feeling? What is it that you're you know, going through? And like, I had started cutting myself mm. after they left. And I was like, that's when I like, I really started doing mirror work. And I didn't realize what I was doing because I'm like 12 to 14. And yeah. I would just stare at myself in the mirror and like, kind of just like I don't know get deep with myself but then somewhere along the line I just forgot that I used to do that mm. and so th- so the, that to me sounds almost like the other things you were talking about maybe the smoking or the sexual encounters that you had ways of trying to cope somewhat but we know clinically that that it actually doesn't help us address things it's just great distractions to avoid whatever it is that we got absolutely do yeah okay I mean I think, number one, it takes a lot of bravery to even be able to verbalize that. So I certainly appreciate and honor everything that you're bringing up there because I I can just imagine, because I've had these experiences clinically with folks when they don't have those outlets. Like these are sometimes the extremes that we may go to, again, because we think we're coping, but Mm -hmm. in actuality, we're just doing something to like get a sense of release only to then have to be facing the same issue however long that may come again, Mm -hmm. right? That's what I'm kind of hearing you yeah. narrating your story. And at the same time, going back to the, the parenting aspect, to me, again, that's why it's so important. Like, you need at least one person that you can actually be, like, raw and honest and real with. Because you need somebody that you trust to be able to tell you, like, hey, I don't like when you're doing this. Or I think these some of these decisions you're making, you're putting yourself in risky situations. And I don't like that for you. You know? Yeah. But when we don't have that, like, again, so then who do you go to? you just like, all right, well, I'm just going to go live. I'm going to go do it, and let's just see what happens. Yep, yep. I was definitely, because I didn't even, there was a lot of those years that I didn't even talk to my mom, like, from, like, 20, 20, not on purpose. Like, we didn't have, like, a falling out, but, right. you know, we were just Just time kind of passed. Yeah, you know, she was in Jersey. I was, like, over here, you know. I didn't really enjoy the boyfriend that she had, so I was, you know, we're all doing our thing. Sure. And uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, you would, no. I'll bring you back. You were just talking about how you were out there with family. You kind of stopped talking with mom quite as much because you guys naturally just kind of drifted apart. And then also because of the boyfriend you didn't really care for. Yeah. So um, I feel like even if I was around her, I probably wouldn't have gotten what I needed, Mm -hmm. like emotionally. Not that she couldn't provide it, but she's not vulnerable with herself, so she couldn't really do that but there's I feel like there's a few people that like maybe 
I worked with here and there or like that I was around that like I still to this day like hold a lot of reverence for that actually like maybe a sentence that they told me like kind of sunk in and really helped me I needed more guidance but like sure I, I feel like I only had like little hey <laughs> hey like what about this mm-hmm. for the most part it was like uh, I felt like I just had to figure everything else out like uh, right. Well, yeah. Let me let me look at the self help book or this Buddhist book or this or that. Four noble truths. Let me go. Let me go deep into that. <laughs> no, that's so true, man. I mean, and yeah, sometimes you know you're fortunate enough you might get it from people outside of your house if you can't get it from you know your primary family. I certainly did too. I had some amazing people who really gave me not only modeled what I believe is an excellent marriage like a partnership the way that they communicated the way that they treated each other so in my mind that's kind of like a mental example that I would hope to hold myself to at some point but also people like you said that give you that space to can kind of witness and see that you're going through some stuff and they try to give you that space to be able to be open and honest about those things and I know that we don't always have that right because it's that's just kind of a random chance that some of, sometimes we get that. Sometimes it may take you a lot of years before you encounter anybody that you may even resonate with in that sort of way. I feel like most people don't even understand me half the time because, you know, uh, I, I'm, like, on another level with, like, some things. Like, whereas, like, there's a lot of videos on YouTube now. But, like, I've been yeah. having the same thoughts since I was, like, five years old. So I'm, like, um, I feel like back to expectations. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we you're reading my mind. That's that's, that's that's exactly where I was going back to. So thank you. Um, I feel like because people don't develop trust with themselves and kind of you know dive deep with themselves, it's hard to, in each moment, be able to gauge that. But if people uh, take a step back a little bit more mm-hmm. and become a little bit more aware of like just their surroundings, because what I've noticed to like in the last four months yeah there's a lot of people that like are our age and older who are not paying attention to anything like like just the smallest things like a woman crossing the street like Mm. or bumping into somebody like just having a certain level of awareness and like being able to like understand energy around you Mm. will go a long way because you can instantly tell with at least body language when someone is like approachable or not oh yeah i mean you can definitely present yourself you know if i'm sitting here like very closed off and guard is a very typical way to be not accessible to folks versus you know i can have a very open posture that looks like i want to engage with you but not everybody learns those things so they may not know and then yeah so i feel like there's just certain ways like i've had again just i i haven't had like a lot of guys understand how to approach me in in a in a mental or not very stimulating mentally oh, okay yeah i'm with you so uh I try to just, like, meet everybody where they're at. Whereas, like, now I'm, like, I don't feel like I'm understood. And I feel like he tries his best to understand. But he's still in that uh, I want to fix instead of being present and understanding the emotion. Which Whereas it, I which feel is, like a lot of men do. Ti- oh, thank you. I was going to say, that's typical for us. Most of the time, and again, I'm not trying to profile all men, but I'm, I'm speaking in general here. Most of the time when we hear things, especially from a female partner, the natural inclination is go in and try to save them fix it resolve it give perspective even when it wasn't asked yeah right so the hard part is to just sit there and say so she's about to let's just say for example you're about to complain about your job and you just had a bad encounter with a coworker today mm-hmm. is to just sit here patiently and peacefully and listen 
and give you the space. It's hard for us to do that. I don't even have a lot of girlfriends that do that because they always just want to like cut conversations, you know? Like I'm like, I actually end up just not saying anything. Like I'll start a story like a lot and then just like get interrupted and be like. And that's why, but (laughs) no, no, but your point. Okay. Okay. Hold it. Sit with that. That's the example of what happens when you get that, you know, enough times. It's like we can sort of get this impression and the signal that, okay, nobody really cares what I have to say. So I should probably not say anything. That's, That's what happens to most guys when we're very young. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen to women either. I'm just saying predominantly I've seen it happen with young boys. That you're kind of taught, like, don't cry, don't be expressive, keep things to yourself. You need to project strength, right? Yeah. So naturally, we don't feel comfortable when somebody asks us how you're doing to go in any depth of detail and elaborate on what is actually going on. You're just like, I'm fine, very stoically, yeah. right? But that's not great for relationship building because it's mm-hmm. not honest. Yeah. Right. And then on the flip side, so that's one side. On the flip side, you need people there to give you the space to be able to want to do that, mm-hmm. which I'm trying to promote that for, for all parties. But we need to understand both of those sides. You want somebody to be willing to come share with you, then you need to provide the space for them to want to share with you. Yeah. Slowly but surely, and then be consistent. I'm grateful for the people I have now in my life that even if we had bouts of times where we didn't really understand each other, you know, lately, you know, I have a lot of men in my life that I can go to and actually like talk to, which is not, I think he's been realizing is kind of like unsettling for him as a man to like have a woman who does have a lot of male friends. Oh yeah. I mean, I can certainly appreciate that because for most of the guys that I know, we're quite territorial. So we don't like, we usually like male friends because, you know, if you think about it from a biological standpoint, there's kind of like a threat. And even from an emotional standpoint, right, which a lot of us, we don't naturally think about. I don't know if I want my partner talking about a lot of her personal issues with other guys, especially if they're heterosexual and if they're single on top of that, because I would think that those are things I want her to bring to me. Because yeah. I want to be her sanctuary. Yes, know? but so that's when she also has those not issues. healthy either all the time. Sometimes you need space. Oh, no, no. I think, <laughs> I, again, we don't want to... I like both. I was going to say, we, no we, we don't want to live the extremes, right? So <laughs> to me, it shouldn't be, okay, no friends, yeah. and you only depend on me, because that's codependency. We don't want that either. Yeah. But if a lot of my... And, and I'm just using it as an example. If a lot of my day-to-day issues that I may be having in my relationship with my partner, right? If I'm often bringing it to my friends before I bring it to him, that's not yeah, good. Yeah, no, that's not healthy either. Because that means we don't have a good level of communication with each other because I don't even bring my issues with you to you. Yeah. I no. take them to my girlfriend or my guy friend or my parents and they give me perspective. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't want perspective ever, but I if we're going to have a relationship, between... we need to be able to deal with yeah. each other and navigate that with each other. Yeah, I feel like there's a fine line between actually like that almost being disrespectful. Right. Like, and these are things we discussed, right? Like, what is disrespectful? Well, we need to outline what that means. Yeah. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And then let's find that compromise in the middle that we both can agree to. Exactly. And even when you talked about with the expectation side, right? So let me go just a step deeper. When you guys are trying to communicate or if you're trying to share with him, is there any other challenge that you notice that you have with him other than instantly going into fix-it mode? Um, no, just that. I feel like uh, he's learning how to be vulnerable with himself, but also learning how to be positive and confident mm. to where he was a year ago. So it's like, I am understanding his journey and I completely like, I am so proud of him. Like he does music and produces and whatnot. And now he's gotten me to sing mm. and like, okay. I haven't, you know, 
ever wanted to do that. My mom was a worship leader, and my you know my family is very musical on both sides of the sure. family. So it's again not being wanting to be seen. So mm-hmm. now I'm like I'm literally taking all of all of the things. I'm it's like let's get center stage. Everybody can see me. Let's yeah, talk. Let's go. Let's let's do this. <laughs> the 2023 was literally a complete break on the song and dance. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that so you're saying so that's the primary issue that you would say that you have had with him so and far. It's like not even an issue. It's just like I feel bad that he wants to fix the situation, and I'm like I, I I've been on my own for a very long time. You are fine. I'm just trying to be vulnerable with you. Right. I'm just trying to talk to you. I don't need anything. Okay. I will ask if I want something. You know. Okay. Because like I never used to be able to ask, and yeah. I just you know. Healing is hard. Healing is long. Absolutely. And it, and it takes time. <laughs> it takes a long time. It takes time. So I just, in the last two years, started to learn how to ask, which 34 years? Get out of here. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. I'm the biggest believer and fan of ask for the things you want. Because especially guys, we're very direct. The vast majority of us. And like That's the way we understand the easiest. And again, this is not men versus women, but... Sometimes I've had experiences with female clients where they talk around the things that they want, or they'll say, as an example, I like to leave the breadcrumb trail and I want him to just kind of figure out what I want. And I'll say, ma'am, you've been doing that for how long now? It may be several months, it may be several years. At what point do you decide to change your strategy because he's not figuring it out? I want you to get what you're saying you want. The best way to do that is sit him down, literally grab his face and say, I would like to talk about this. I need us to deal with this, right? So it may be uncomfortable for you to have to find a way to do that or get over your own inhibitions, whatever they are. But I'm thinking about the outcome. Do you want that issue to be addressed? Yes or no? So then you have to deal with it. Exactly. That's not trying to get on a soapbox. I'm just, no, no, I, I'm just trying beautiful. to make a point though, because it's difficult for a lot of people to understand that. And these are some of the nuanced parts of men and women in the way that we communicate and it is different i think it's crazy because like when i um in the last few years i i was dating this one guy and it was like for me just sex and as soon as he told me he was in love with me and he wanted me to meet his family i was like done <laughs> and i'm like no emotional investment i or, I mean, or, I, or try to limit I, it as much as possible i mean i love everybody so there's like my base love where it's like I understand. But then there's the the real vulnerability. What there I would is, what I would consider that that's, that's the real the love, love yeah. when you let somebody yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, I know, no. Are you kidding me? How I look back, I'm like, how horrible. Someone says you're in love with them and you got in You're like I didn't ghost him, ghost him, but I was like, honey, I thought we had a I thought we talked about it. We had an understanding. This. Yeah. Then I literally I was like We don't do that. And I and I look back now and I'm like, why couldn't you just try to you know, like but as you said, but you and again, I wasn't there in that growth moment, is hard. You weren't ready. Yeah. Right. So. So I yeah. look back and I'm like, well, now I have to like, I have to challenge myself in that way where I'm like, I know I'm very direct, and most men don't don't understand that. Like, I'm not telling. I'm not talking around a story. I'm actually okay, telling you the truth. Right. This is what you like, need to know. This is what you need to know. And everybody's like thinks it's something different. I'm like, I literally told you, like. But because a lot of women are not truthful or not vulnerable in that way, mm-hmm. where it's like the breadcrumbs, then I feel like I've had a lot more issues where I'm like, oh, if people were just a little bit more honest, then you would take me seriously <laughs> with my honesty. Like, like, I'm telling you exactly what it is. I'm trying to lay it out as best as I can. And so I've told him, I'm like, uh, you know, I had an addiction to it and I want to value, you know, our experience. So for me, you know, doing too much well, I just, I'm just, I'm 
I'm just trying to respect the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I feel like outside looking in, it might just be like, I'm using you or whatever. Or I'm like, I know your trauma and I understand and I'm sorry, like, but that's not what I'm doing. Like, this is, takes a lot of growth because like, I wanted yeah. to have sex the first night. And you're like, no, I got to slow down. Exactly. I got to pace myself because we know we're going to value and appreciate this relationship. I want to be able to like, time. for the very first time, make love with, make love to somebody the first time I have sex with them, you know, mm -hmm. like that I'm dating, you know, whereas like, I can make you feel like we're making love, but like, that's not the same thing as like, cause of speed. Yeah. Cause unfortunately for those that may not know or remember, you cannot microwave a relationship. No. And that's why <laughs> they always take time. Yeah. Confidence takes time. Trust takes time. Vulnerability takes time. So I'm like, I just met him time. a few months ago. So it's like, now we need, re we really need to take time because like, you're the first person that I wanted to be in a relationship with in a long time. Like, because he, he may not uh, be uh, on the level uh, mentally and I don't need him to be, but like, he is very smart in his, in a lot of the things he does and he's very talented in his music and he's like, so, yeah. you know, he's such a good guy. But where I, um, I'm trying to navigate right now to like help him feel confident in, in that where I'm just like sure. I, just, I think you just think I'm joking about the sex and I'm, I'm and I promise helping, you it's not you're <laughs> helping inform him so that way he can truly understand the depth and the gravity of your experiences yeah but I don't think I think I have to go so deep with him so that to really get it to re so he could really understand it because like he understands it but he's still on that fix it like okay right well I want to hear it so I can fix it mm -hmm. And I don't need it. Like, no one needs you to fix anything because that's not how it works. That's not how anything works. Right. You have Unless to. they actually ask you to do it. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe. I mean, you can fix my car. You can fix my things. Like, right. You but can't fix someone's emotions. That's just not a thing. No. they have. They, <laughs> that, that goes back to the old adage I always like to echo. Um, change is only going to happen for those that truly desire it for themselves. Yeah. So we can we can see things as the external person that we think you could change or we think you could work on or it might help life be a little less stressful for you. But at the same time, all I can do is provide that and try to reflect it to you in a, in a healthy way. And you have to decide if you're going to actually do something with that information. So I can't impress those expectations upon you and say, oh, I told you to change now. So why haven't you changed yet? Yeah. That's not realistic. And I want to emphasize that point right now because... Again, we're talking about expectations. Let me ask you a question. Anytime you've ever tried to date anybody from the first time you tried up until current person, right? Have you ever broke down any type of criteria of these are qualities that I know that I would like to see in a person? And there's some other things, which I call deal breakers, where I know I cannot compromise here. You ever put something like that together and actually evaluated a person when you were trying to be courted? Why? Uh, because I didn't want to get vulnerable. Because I didn't, I just, I honestly, I just wanted to be able to have sex and have somebody to go eat food with. So more companionship, yeah. not the true vulnerability. No, not at all. Are you kidding me? Okay. Then I would have to deal with myself. No, correct. <laughs> no, correct. No, but I, okay. And so I, now we're, I, like, I appreciate that. Now I'm like, I, I, want, I want to go very deep, but I also like, I'm a lot. I know I'm a lot. Like I've traveled. I, I have a lot of experience. Like sure. I'm, I don't even think the same way that most of the women that he's ever been with are. Yeah. So it's like I'm not trying to bombard him, and he's already like, I feel like it's like a unicorn situation where it's like 
I don't understand you, but I love hanging out with you. This is amazing. <laughs> or I'm like, I feel like if I give it a little bit more time, mm. then I feel like he'll understand himself a little bit more in the energy that we hold with each other. Right. To be that vulnerable, to be like, okay, because he keeps wanting to ask it. And I'm like, but you're still not understanding. Because if you if you did understand, you wouldn't do some of the, you wouldn't try to keep going. Right. If if I've already told you where I'm at. Right. Like that, like allow for it to naturally unfold. Don't exactly. don't try to force it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like I feel so bad because I'm like you have no idea. He's <laughs> like, trust me, you know I want to go if this was a few years ago. But this are you is, kidding I'm, me? I'm trying but then to I would be bored. Be like I've, right. I have never. I've oh, I'm always bored instantly. Which is because that because that tends to happen. I think it happens for men a lot too. Like that's not uh, unexpected behavior. And the reason why I asked you about the criteria, the reason why I layered that in there, <laughs> is because a lot of times I notice like we don't we don't actually date intentionally. Mm-mm, we kind we kind of just casually fall into stuff, and then we're just like hopeful that it's gonna play out the way we would like it to. Yes. But as we were talking about, and as we have been talking about, when you want things to be done, ultimately is giving yourself the best chance, right? Yeah. You have to actually not only articulate these things, to your point, you gotta look in the mirror and do the work, in my opinion. Because if you don't know the things that you need or the things you need to work on, how in the hell are you gonna be able to explain it to somebody else? Exactly. And then if we are going on dates and we are doing these things, we're greatly diminishing the likelihood that it's actually gonna work out for the long term. Mm -hmm. Which means I'm gonna have to start the cycle all over again. Maybe I'm gonna get hurt, maybe I'm gonna get jaded, maybe I'll get resentful because of decisions that I made for you. Mm -hmm. And then here we are today. Maybe we can change some of that Absolutely. if we're willing to be intentional and say, hey, this is the things that I know I want from my life moving forward. These are some of the things I know I can compromise on because I understand nobody's perfect because I'm not. Yeah. But these are the things I know I cannot compromise on. Put that together, digest it, really think about what makes the most sense. So when I sit down with you and we're actually having that real discussion, the vulnerable discussion, yep. not the just trying to jump each other's pants as quickly as possible. We can actually be intentional and say, if we don't line up here, great, because it's better for us to end it now so yes. there's not this emotional attachment. And then we're increasing the chances that we can actually find somebody who does match more more or not what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Um, I, we've actually had that discussion. Okay. Which is, but like, not as well structured as you just said Okay. It. That's okay. That's okay. I've taken a lot of time to put that into words. So <laughs> like that was, that I, was I know good. how to say that a little more fluently. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I feel like we've gotten to that point where it's like, I'm learning about myself in another way and I'm seeing myself in a light that I, you know, I am respecting myself and I'm respecting someone else. I've never, not that I've never respected someone, but like I, in sexual relationships had not. And that's not that I saw people as a piece of meat, but I didn't, I didn't see the experience as it being more than just a moment in time. Whereas obviously every moment as an accumulation of who you are yes. and like your experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, I've, uh, we've, we've had this discussion and we've definitely mentioned the fact that like, we don't want it to be like one of those things where we're just together because like we're scared to be apart at this mm. point. Or scared like, of maybe being alone. Exactly. Scared of being alone where it's like, we're learning a lot and we're enjoying each other and it's like it's it's I'm so grateful. It's like the most beautiful thing I've had in a very long time where I'm just awesome. like we can we can have the conversations and I know you don't get it too much but like 
he's willing to be vulnerable. That's really good too, because that's the yeah. other half, right? Because he's like, I don't. You need them to do it, so mm -hmm. you feel like maybe you want to do it more too. Exactly. So we're not. Uh, neither of us wants kids or marriage, so it's like at least there's that. And I've already been like, you know, I can't promise forever, but like, I am present. Mm -hmm. I like. I think that's what we've both just said is we're here right now, and whatever happens, happens. Like I think the most he's like, I just still want to make music with you later like even if we don't work out <laughs> like so. you know it's interesting when you say that point because i agree with that last part in particular even if you think about marriage right there's kind of like the somewhat false idea that the promise and the ring guarantees the outcome right which yeah. we know is not always true not that i'm certainly not a, a hater of marriage i actually promote it but i also understand that things can change over time right over the course of being with somebody we're not the same person yeah. we keep changing Therefore, they will, we should expect that they're going to keep changing, too. The only point that I try to make on that idea is that we have to continue to choose each other. Yeah. So I have to keep working on me. You have to keep working on you. Hopefully, we're promoting that environment. We're both trying to do that so that we want to keep improving to be the best versions of ourselves yes. for each other. Yep. Otherwise, if you can fall into that we're just here because we're here. Yeah. And maybe we don't feel like we have a direction, which is why we're just still here because I don't really know where I want to go. But if I have that idea in mind, I'm trying to get to this point and you have that in mind with me, then we know ultimately we're working towards the same thing. Yeah. It might look a little different because we're not the same person, but there's again, there's a greater chance that it will work because we have that shared goal in mind. And I think a lot of times when it comes to dating, like we don't really think about those things or maybe we don't go in as much detail, especially in the beginning. And a lot of that kind of slowly trickles out after months and years of being with somebody. Yeah. And then maybe you're just like, you know, it's, it's inherently harder to leave somebody when you've been with them for a long time because you feel the attachment. Which is also something that I feel like people need to learn how to deal with is attachment doesn't always have to be bad. No. Or like not letting all. go of attachment is, I think, the biggest yes. thing. Letting go is, I think, the issue. That's hard. For, I think that's hard for just about all of us for different reasons. And, you know, it could also be lost. Like I've dealt with a lot of that, too. So mm -hmm. trying to learn how to deal with that. Um, I made a point to let everything go for so long where I'm just like, relax, yeah. hold on to some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, I want to make one more point real quick on that on that idea. If I'm trying to make it easier for me, like I'll, I'll be you in this example, easy for myself to want to be open with somebody, right? To me, it would behoove me to then have that sort of criteria and really be intentional about it. Number one, because I don't want to have to keep doing this. I want to mm -hmm. minimize the amount of times I have to do this. But also because I'm increasing the chances that I'm going to want to be more vulnerable with them and not kind of serially date and have this huge wall. Yeah. Because then I'm not, to your point, I'm not really letting anybody in. Nope. Like, we're physically together, but emotionally, we're as distant as anybody could be. I could be in Timbuktu. Right. It's ridiculous. And at some point, you can kind of feel that. Even the guys, that those of us that don't really know that, at some point, you kind of feel that she's not present. Especially Unless if you blind. start feeling really connected <laughs> to her. Yeah. Right? And oh. you're like, man, like, there's a there's, something's off here. Why am I like really invested in this? And she's kind of like, take it or leave it. Or indifference. That's, That's painful. Oh, my goodness. That's I painful. feel so bad. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's also part of the growth, right? Like, yeah, again, yeah. it's not like you, you're necessarily setting out to do these things. No, no. Oh, this is this, this is that hindsight talk that we're doing. Mm -hmm. How can we be better? How can How we can learn? How can you love yourself with all those mistakes? Correct. Is, is I think, the mirror, the mirror work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just wanted to echo that point because I think a lot of times, again, we're just kind of making decisions at random, mm -hmm. hoping it'll work out. And 
nothing is perfect, nothing is guaranteed. But the more that we are as complete and as honest with ourselves as we can be, that we can communicate that with somebody, hoping that we can kind of see that in them. Are they being as honest and transparent as they can be? And if we get to that point, maybe this can stand the test of time. Maybe we actually can make it to the end of our days, whether that's in a marriage, whether that's a long-term committed relationship, whatever that may be for you. Yeah. What would you say to that? Uh, I feel like I am definitely... Um, I've, I've been more vulnerable than I've ever thought I could be. I'm excited that I'm not scared to continue that journey and continue awesome. like and not just like in a romantic relationship but like I'm I've been tired a long time to like of having like very superficial relationships where mm-hmm. just because like I'm not you know I'll start saying all this weird spiritual stuff that people are just like <laughs> what is this new age stuff? I'm like, how is it new age when it's been around forever? Right. Come on. <laughs> You're like, this is this has been here. What are you talking about? Western stuff is new age. Mm-hmm. But um. But that's that's really important though. What you're saying, like, how do you even get past superficial? Uh, but just with friends, where it's just like vulnerability has got to be there. You you because superficial literally means you don't go beneath the surface. Yeah. So in order to get there, I have to be willing to let you know something. Right? It took me a long time to get there. But that's beautiful that you've gotten to the point where you recognize that and you're willing to do, put in the work to have more of those long-term, hopefully more committed and honest relationships with whoever it is that you value. Yeah. I would have never even said I had a sexual addiction up until like two years ago. Until you sat some time, took some time to like sit with it and really process and to it. To even understand. Mm. <laughs> to even understand what I was doing. Like, yeah. that, but that's the work. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. And again, I think for so many of us, like we don't we don't sit with those things and we don't really try to understand. We just kind of just keep moving through life. And then sometimes we don't even realize that we've been on a merry-go-round for a really long time. A pendulum like, swing. Right. Like I've actually been making the same mistake with different people over the course of my life. And it didn't have to be that way. I understand sometimes we got to learn hard lessons. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I my know last that. year. But sometimes, sometimes we're learning the same hard lesson and you don't actually have to you can learn after the first one you, you know yep, absolutely. you can put your hand on the stove one time and not burn your hand again mm-hmm. if you're willing to actually pay attention exactly sometimes i'm just so stuck in in, in, in the moment where it's like you have to be able to rack focus yeah and like bring the back into the forefront and whatnot and absolutely. be able to be like okay what am i really doing and how am i being fair to myself mm. at this point because a lot of what I did was not fair to me, let alone the other people I was with. Yeah. So I feel like now I'm, I was just working with a girl the other day and I would have never told her what I told her. And I actually talked about uh, the video and she mm. was like, I am so glad you just brought that up because I've been struggling with like my porn addiction. So I don't have a sexual addiction, but I like, mm. you know, I'm, I don't understand even like how it happens where I'm just like, I went to school for hypnotherapy after I quit smoking cigarettes mm. because I was in the mountain meditating and I was like, what did I just do? What did I do? It took me five years to quit smoking cigarettes and all I had to do was go hiking for like two weeks straight and like breathe in the woods. And then like... The 
see, but what you're describing is that's levels of intentionality. Like when we want to, when we want to address stuff, we can do it. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of times things don't get resolved because, and I'm not saying always, but in many cases, because deep down we're, we're truly not trying. No. Yeah. Exactly. We're truly just. Again, that's why when earlier when I was talking about coping, like sex, drugs, uh, whatever it is that we're talking about, it's coping in the sense of that's how we kind of internalizing it in our mind. But from an external perspective, it's not actually coping because I'm not actually yeah, dealing with any exactly. of the stuff. It's still just sitting there just bubbling underneath the surface. Under the Correct. And that's not particularly helpful. So, but again, I do appreciate you sharing that because I think somebody out there might resonate with that type of story and realize, hey, I may have gone a period of time where I didn't address any of these things. Listening to Jasmine's story helped me because now I recognize I need to do that work sooner. Huh. Let me not let me not let a decade go by mm-hmm. and, and then try to realize I need to go deal with it. Because I, maybe I just go through more things that I didn't need to. Yeah, That's kind of my story I'm always trying to impress upon us. It doesn't mean you avoid everything. But some pain, some hardship, some heartbreak, you may not have to go through. Yeah. If you're willing to do the work. Oh, good. If you're willing to do the work. The work is so hard. I know. Which is why professionals help. Yes. It helps because we know a bit about how to deal with it. Not every scenario. Yeah. Right? You find somebody who you feel like you can really connect with and be vulnerable with mm-hmm. so that we can do the work necessary to help you live a, a healthier and hopefully more congruent life with, with really who you are. But I want to close. I want to ask you my last question. And it's in terms of what do you want for the future? You've obviously talked and we've talked so much about the past and the present and, and everything that you've gone through so far. And you can answer this however you want, personally, professionally, both. What do you see for yourself in the near and long term? Uh, I see myself definitely stepping more into the forefront of my life and not being afraid to be seen anymore, so to speak. Um, but... I'm putting at least the the networking part of wanting to have a um, event center that's farm to table where people can come and get health, do conferences and such. Because I've worked, I work hospitality as well, and I see okay. the quality of food that people are eating. It's oh, just yeah. uh, a lot of why we can't do a lot of the work because if you're so uh, full of, let's say, dense food. Mm-hmm. How can you be light if you're so dense? True. So it's hard to get up there if you don't, um, if you can't think clearly. Absolutely. So I really love doing events. I love music. I love healing. And I've done a lot of medicine work. I've done, you know, been part of a lot of different, different areas of healing that I would like to bring together and like save space for other people to be able to do that. Sure. So maybe like a retreat center of sort, but not necessarily a woo-woo retreat center. <laughs> um, and then I would love to have a housing development that's farm to table that has childcare so we could bring the community back. Mm. Instead of an HOA, okay. I would rather have people with fresh food, maybe cow's milk, goat's milk, maybe. And there's a lot of people that like to do their own things, especially in Florida. You know, all these oh, food yeah. trucks and whatnot have, be able to allow people to become more of an artisan sure sure and it's interesting hearing you say that because that's those are pretty lofty ambitions right not Um, not impossible (laughs) just big picture i would call them you know macro level changes that you'd like to make which i totally support oh man um because you know it has to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and you you know you need to have people with that community that shared sense of maybe responsibility and, and purpose and vision to want to actually bring that to fruition yeah so right now the 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 
close future. Um, I would like to get my malpractice insurance back up and be able to hold sessions for hypnotherapy and actually do uh, nature and experience packages for people who want to do the work but also want to see the world in a different way or want sure. to experience a city and don't really want to do any research and just want someone else to do it for them. So if I could bring healing and, and traveling together, that's definitely what yeah. I would like to do in the next few years. Okay. I definitely, I don't remember if we talked about that before, but I know um, I had a buddy of mine some years ago that was packaged under wilderness therapy. See, and that's great. I love that, but I am not a Boy Scout. No, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> but I, I, I know that some people will do that. Like sometimes it's like the troubled teen type deal, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's the folks that maybe grew up in the city and they want to feel disconnected for a retreat, like you said, maybe like a week or two week retreat. Or someone who's always lived in the country and wants to experience the city and doesn't sure. know what to even start with. Absolutely. Getting out of your comfort zone, like you talked about in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. All you have to do is give me what you want, and I'll, I'll research any city. Because <laughs> that's what I did. That's how I traveled. I was like, I love music. Music helped me heal so much. Like even recently, more recently, I feel like yeah, I've used music as therapy, whereas I used it in the past to disassociate, mm. to ignore. <laughs> it's funny you say that too. I make one more point on on that. Um, I've actually done uh, somewhat of an exercise with like teens, for example when it may be difficult for them to like put their feelings into words because i remember and it's easy for me because i remember doing the same thing when i didn't have the language because my father wasn't really uh, promote promoting that you gravitate to certain songs certain artists sometimes certain genre so i was always big into like r b um for, for like a very very long time yes precisely because of that <laughs> and I remember like I would listen to a lot of songs on repeat, right? Mm -hmm. Just because it, it felt like they were speaking the words that at times I felt like I could never say. I never had the confidence to say mm -hmm. at that age. So I would do like an exercise with like a young person if, they, if they'll sit down to like, hey, it's so, like, what do you want to talk about? It's like, I don't know. Or you say, hey, like, what are some of the things that maybe you're struggling with and you want to get some help with? And they're like, I don't know. That might be like <laughs> an entry point. Okay, tell me, uh, give me like a playlist of like your top 10 songs you got on rotation right now or the top 10 that you're listening to right now, right? And you start to look at patterns of behavior of like what type of genre, what, the content. what artists, what are the lyrics, right? That's a really big one. You see the lyrics, you're like, do you notice that like a lot of what you're listening to, they're talking about this? Did you notice that? No, not really. Oh, maybe that has, and then you start to peel back the layers and maybe you find out that some of what the artists are talking about is similar to what they've gone through. They just felt like they couldn't ever say it. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in like how that can be a great resource for a lot of people, especially maybe when you don't know how to start. Yeah. So either way, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. <laughs> and I appreciate and I honor all the vulnerability that you've had because it takes a lot, you know, to do this, to be here. So I really appreciate you for honoring us and letting all that out there. And I hope that I somebody really connects with that. Deep. <laughs> hey, you know, and it happens, right? I try really hard to make that space be here. For that. <laughs> so again, I, I appreciate you for sharing it. And I hope if anybody appreciated this content and got to get some insight from it, please consider liking and subscribing because it really helps to make this content and have wonderful guests like you. And again, I'm going to sign off, man. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. We're going to sign off. So peace out. Thank you.